Do you remember how old you were or where you were when the inspiration to play music first appeared? Who or what inspired that moment? For me, it was Beatlemania. When I was around the age of eight or nine, my cousin Gord took me to a concert at the Pacific Coliseum. It was called Beatlemania. I didn't even know what a tribute band was. I thought I was actually watching the Beatles. All I know is when I got home from that concert, I knew I wanted to be a professional musician. It wasn't until a few years later when I heard Metallica's and Justice For All that I truly took the plunge. Today's episode is all about emulation. Think about it. For most of us that play music, the early goal isn't to create it, improvise it, compose it. It's to learn the music that we love. And that's a great starting point. You might wonder why I didn't start this season with the concept of emulation. Well, I think it's really important to instill early on in the journey that you will be able to create your own art. But one of the most important steps to getting there is learning how to replicate the sounds, the phrasing, the technique, and the tone of the music and the musicians that we love to listen to. Like all of the concepts I've addressed in this season, emulation has a lot of components. I hope through today's episode, you'll learn just a handful of tricks and tips you can use to apply to learning your favorite songs and getting better results. My first tip is to pick an appropriate level to start with. It's really important that you find the music that you can actually play. You can do this by looking up the graded level for a classical piece of music. If you're a beginner, you should be starting at preliminary or grade one. If it's something more popular like rock music, a simple Google search will reveal what are the easiest songs to learn on your chosen instrument. For me, the method that I used to learn music in the early stages were guitar tab books. I convinced my grandma to buy me the Metallica Master of Puppets book because it had crosses on the front. I told her they were a religious band. Well, it was the first time I had access to seeing the visual print of the music on a piece of paper. I was stunned. Nothing made any sense. But one day I had a revelation. Pick the songs on the album that sound the slowest. Even at the age of 14, I could figure that out. Happened to be a song called Welcome Home Sanitarium. And for that brief moment in the beginning of the song, I could follow along by listening and tracing the notes on the paper, even though I really didn't know what they meant. This is a great technique for those of you that can already read music or have some inclination into the written world but I'm a bigger fan of audible learning, so we'll cover that as we move forward. Another tip is to saturate your ears by listening to the same phrase over and over again. Too often we get overwhelmed by the amount of music we let in, so when we're trying to learn it, we get lost. If I play four bars of music for somebody and ask them what happened in the first measure or first bar, they'll often not be able to hum it back or tell me what it was. However, if I loop the first bar of music 10 times in a row, Almost everyone will start to hear the phrasing, the rhythm, and the nuance of that part. I started learning guitar in 1989, so tape cassettes were my primary vehicle to learn how to play. At that point, there was no internet, there was no ability to afford lessons, so I had to listen to the music over and over again to find out how to play it. Rewinding small sections on that little tape cassette machine was really invaluable for me. Instead of getting overwhelmed by longer phrases of music, I could hone in on one specific part and listen to it 10, 20, 30 times in a row until my brain could comprehend what the rhythm was and what was actually happening on the instrument. Nowadays, there are great tools for looping parts. You can actually buy pedals that will hook into your instruments and loop phrases for you. You can buy software or download software that'll take a song and slow it down, chunk it into sections. It's up to you to do some research and find out what works best for your needs, but I can't stress this enough. 
If you can loop a small section of music and you can listen to it over and over again, you'll be able to replicate and duplicate that music much sooner than any other method. I remember distinctly in the early 2000s when I was complaining to my younger students about how good they had it. All this technology was coming out like YouTube and machines that slowed the music down. And I was sort of a grumbly, jaded professor at that time. And I looked at a student and said, oh, you have it so good. Like when I was a kid, I had to use tape cassettes and we barely had accurate tablature or sheet music to go along with our favorite songs. And then I realized, why am I not using the technology that exists today? It dawned on me that if I trained like a younger kid was using all of these tools, like slowing the music down, looping it over and over again, looking up YouTube tutorials and going on sub forums and reading about how these things were played, that I too could benefit from the modern learning style. It's just like organizing your workflow. The more tools you have set up in advance, the more success you're going to have as a player. So take the time to set yourself up for success. Do the little things, get everything in order, and then when you start listening to music and trying to learn it, it'll go a lot quicker. Pretty soon you'll recognize the value of finding a great teacher. Whether this is online or in person doesn't really matter. The most important thing is that the teacher you find understands your unique goals and can help you build a bridge to getting to them. I often tell my students, pick something so far down the road that you don't think you'll ever be able to do. Pick something audacious. Do you want to learn how to play Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody on the piano and sing it, but you've never played music before? Great, let's start with that. From there, we can reverse engineer a path right to step one. And that is the job of the teacher, is to organize a coherent and structured game plan so that the student can achieve all of their goals without getting too frustrated. These extra planning steps will go a long way to ensure your long-term success and enjoyment of playing music. So they're worth the extra effort. I'd like to end this episode by discussing ways we can improve our auditory learning styles. For many of you listening, there's no option to read the music or see it printed in any format, so we have to trust our ears. This is actually a gift in the long run. You could take two musicians, one who can read the music and one who can't, for various reasons, and have them start learning the same piece of music. And in the short run, the musician who can read the music is going to have access to all the exact notes and is going to make much quicker progress. What could go wrong, you ask? Well, there's a dependence on reading the music that, in my opinion, can get in the way of hearing the music. If you can do both, great. If you can only do one, that's fine too. But in a perfect world, you would develop your hearing to the ability where you can pick out sounds and find them on your instrument. This is such a great way to go. Nowadays, thanks to YouTube channels and great teachers like James Testani from Good Guitarist, You can hear a lesson spoken without even having to watch it. James speaks at such a good pace that you can rewind and listen to that same part over and over again on where to put your fingers on the instrument, what songs to learn, what are appropriate levels for you to play. Some of the steps I've already outlined are perfect for auditory learners, including slow it down and loop it. Hearing the same phrase over and over again until it sticks in your brain and you have a better chance of finding it on your instrument. Some instruments like piano and guitar add a complexity when you think about chords or harmonic structures. Hearing multiple notes played at the same time is so much more challenging than hearing a single melody line. In this case, finding a YouTube tutorial that explains the harmony will go a long way for you to unlock it on your instrument. Not every song you try to learn is going to work out. I can't tell you how many times a student has picked a song only to tell me three or four weeks down the line that it's really not that fun to play. In fact, this can apply to styles as well. As a young player, I never really listened to the blues, but I loved to play it. 
you might not actually like to listen to rock music, but there's almost nothing more fun to play on a drum set than an ACDC beat. So try to think outside of the box here. It's not just about the music you love to listen to, it's also about the music that's fun to play on your instrument. I can't tell you how many times a student has been shocked that the music they love to listen to wasn't fun to play on their instrument. And that's what it really comes back to, is having fun. If you're having a good time, you're going to keep doing it. If you keep doing it, you're going to keep getting better. You'll be discouraged many times on this journey. Just don't give up. Go back to the beginning and ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why did I even pick this instrument up in the first place? I hope you enjoyed this shorter episode on how to emulate music. Stay tuned to next week when we talk about how to play with others. This is a topic that comes up all the time in my consults and with my own private lessons. I hope you have a great weekend. Can you say it here? No. Can you say, everybody speaks music? No. <laughs> <laughs>